the volume. Hey guys, it's the Sessions presented by FanDuel. It might be cold, but the sports calendar is heating up, baby, and there's no better place to get in on the action than with FanDuel. The app is safe, secure, and so, so easy to use. FanDuel always has exclusive offers, boosts, and more. And when you win, you're going to get paid real fast. FanDuel has lots of ways to play, like with the spread, money line, over, under, team totals, player props, and so much more. You can jump into the action at any time during the game with live betting. And you can combine multiple bets from the same game in a same game parlay to try out the same game parlay plus. Get in on that. And... FanDuel is now live in Maryland, y'all. So use the promo code Renee, R-E-N-E-E, and download the FanDuel app today to start making every moment more. Disclaimer, 21 plus in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG for Colorado, Iowa, Minneapolis, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, and Virginia. 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat for Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT for Indiana. 1-877-770-STOP for Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org for Maryland. Tennessee Redline, 1-800-889-9789 for Tennessee. Visit ksgamblinghelp.com for Kansas. 1-800-522-4700 for Wyoming or visit www.1800gambler.net for West Virginia. Hey guys, welcome to the sessions. How is everybody doing? Hopefully everybody had a great holiday, a little time spent with your family, stuffed your faces, did all of those good things. Um, I'm still in like kind of hunkered down family mode right now. I've got Nora sitting here with me as I'm recording the intro for this. So if you hear um, her rattle in the background or um, just maybe she'll start crying, maybe she'll start talking. Who knows what's going to happen? Um, anyways, Stokely Hathaway is my guest on this episode of The Sessions. I'm so glad that this was an episode that we did in person. We had spoke about doing it in person, um, and I'm really glad that we decided to hold off on that because, um, yeah, we talked about stuff that Stokely had never spoken about before and some really, really personal stuff, and I'm really happy that he trusted me with having that conversation with him. So, guys, let's just get into it. Here it is. This is Stokely Hathaway. Listen, I know that we have some pretty serious stuff that you want to talk about uh, today on the podcast, and we'll certainly get into all of that. But I guess we can kind of go back to, to the beginning of you getting your start sure, in sure. pro wrestling and you as like a manager specifically yeah. Yeah. in pro wrestling. What was sort of the switch for you on that to go, I'm a manager? I mean, to be completely honest, uh, this is probably the first time someone will quote Jill Scott on your <laughs> podcast but you know she has this line in one of her songs where she says everything isn't for everybody mm -hmm. so initially I tried everything to be, isn't everything Lauren Hill yes well just Scott I know but I was saying everything is everything like okay. Lauren Hill okay okay just is it the same I just thing? want to make sure yeah 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 I don't know no we're on the same page we're on the same page <laughs> but um <laughs> I wanted to be a wrestler and I'm five eight on a good day and it just I didn't have the athletic ability mm -hmm. to you know, pull it off. And so everyone thought that I was a good talker. So I just transitioned into that. And at the time I initially started doing this because it was my thesis project in grad school. Oh, wait, yeah. what? Yeah. I wanted to prove that I thought that wrestling was an art form. So 
All my professors said, yeah, sure. Uh, they thought I was going to flunk out. So they allowed me to go <laughs> uh, on this journey. So I moved to Philadelphia for a few months and uh, I trained. And wow. Funny story. Claudio Castagnoli was originally one of my trainers. Orange Cassidy and really? Chuck Taylor. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's a pretty good pedigree to be coming in from. Yeah. Not bad yeah. at all. I mean, Claudio probably wouldn't claim me from the, uh, <laughs> you know, or on the athletic front, but uh, managerial duties, yeah. maybe, maybe. <laughs> Wait, I feel like, did, did you, you never worked with Claudio as like a manager though, right? No, no, no. We've tried, like we tried yeah. numerous times, but yeah. It just didn't quite happen. Yeah. That's so interesting. Okay. So how did the thesis do? I graduated, so it went well. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, I have my master's, so that's uh, you know, master's in what? Uh, performing arts. Oh, so what does that whole like school process look like? Like how? What is? What does that look like to have a master's degree in performing arts? Well, I was taught everything because, well, the program taught everything because the idea is not everyone will be this famous actor on Broadway or sure. Hollywood, whatever. So it taught you directing. It taught you. Lighting, production, it, it tried to make you a well-rounded entertainer. Sure. That's pretty fascinating. So where did the wrestling aspect of it come for you? As you're looking, I'm sure as you're going to school for that, it's like, mm -hmm. did you want to get into acting? Did you want to get into theater stuff? Did you want to get into what, what, what? To like, yeah. oh, pro wrestling, yeah. that's my bag. Well, I was doing it all. So I, I was in like some independent films. I was my friend's thesis films and I wanted to say, you know, legitimate actor. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I still chased that. I still did some of that. But in the meantime, I was kind of doing the marketing thing professionally. So okay. that took over. So I had a full-time job doing marketing. Mm -hmm. And then I just kept the wrestling on the side as like a hobby. And then yeah. it just took off. And, that and was that's it. that. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. That's so cool. Thank you. So if you weren't wrestling, what do you think you'd be doing? I think I'd be doing uh, marketing and probably yeah. just acting yeah. on the side. Yeah. Okay. So the managerial side of it, I don't want to say like unsung hero because the managers that are great managers, I have like those pivotal, mm -hmm. great roles, whether it's a Paul Heyman, we've seen Vicky Guerrero be mm -hmm. such a successful manager to shit. William Regal does a great job yeah. as a manager. Well, I, I mean, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> he's, he's Dece. He's Dece. <laughs> How do you get good at being a manager? What are you looking at? Who are you studying? What is like, what is the thought process that goes into like the psychology of being a great manager? I mean, I'll be honest with you. I watch a lot of comedy. Mm -hmm. So one of my biggest influences is I would say Robin Harris, mm -hmm. Bernie Mac, because I look at being a manager as a, a character. Yeah. So you're kind of just the, like the dressing on the salad, right? And mm -hmm. the salad is like, you know, whoever you are, are managing. So that's how I look at it and obviously you know I have some some wrestling influences sure. um you know you named some of them so but for me it's like comedy it's like a lot of improv um Wayne Brady is probably you know like another you know influence. what Wayne like, Brady doesn't get the respect that he deserves exactly, exactly. he does not he's a yeah, genius yeah. and he dropped a great R&B album which no one talks about really? so yes yeah whose line is it anyways what a great show yeah. and he was just exceptional on yeah. that yeah yeah Interesting. That's, yeah. yeah, that's really, really cool. Okay. So you're wrestling or managing on, um, on the indie scene. I had worked with MJF mm -hmm. previously as well. What was it like to finally be reunited with him in AEW? It was interesting because we kept in touch throughout the years, but we hadn't seen each other in person since I would say probably like 2018. Oh, wow. Okay. So I guess that's how life is supposed to work. 
Um, we'll get more into like the AEW stuff, of course, but sure. uh, obviously prior to signing to AEW, mm-hmm. you were working at WWE mm-hmm. with, with NXT, um, had a great thing going there. Yeah. Um, and we don't really have to get into like too many of the specifics. I mean, I think we kind of know what happened there and saw some of the things that happened there. But I think the thing that really sticks out to me was you being offered a contract extension and then that just wasn't the thing that you wanted to do. What was what was kind of going on at that time? It's really interesting because I think I would say that a lot of people kind of looked at me as if I was the bad guy, right? And like, I kind of get it or I do get it because, you know, I'm sure there are plenty of people who would kill to be in the position that I was in. Mm-hmm. And at the time, like, I just couldn't do it, you know? And, you know, I never really said why, you know, I, I did a, a comedy show and like I alluded to it, but the wrong message came across okay. from that show. So, I mean, to be completely honest, in like February, I woke up one day and like, I just felt miserable. Like I just felt, I guess the right way would be crazy, right? Yeah. Like I, like I didn't know where I was. I didn't know what was going on and like it kind of went away and then it kept increasing to the mm-hmm. point to where like it was just debilitating. So you know, I voluntarily just like committed myself. This was on a, a Friday. And I think I got out on Sunday. It was a very interesting experience, mainly because <laughs> I would say in Florida, it's like prison for the mentally ill. So when I went in, I had no idea what I was in for. Like I was in kind of like a cell, like Holy it was shit. like no real sheets. It was just like a metal, like frame that you laid on like obviously like the sink was you know one of those sinks that was like rigged to where you know it it was like motion detected like they gave you like a little thing of soap a little thing of toothpaste it was literally like couldn't go into your room until 8 9 p.m and then you had to wake up at 6 a.m and then you just like walk the floor it's like that was it like you just like walk back and forth to like fill up the time so that was like three days of that and then afterwards, I was like, maybe I'm not as crazy as I thought. <laughs> so, so, okay. So what kind of like led to you being like, this is what I need to do for myself right now? Like, what were those days leading up to that moment? Like, maybe, maybe it wasn't the days, yeah. maybe it was weeks, months, maybe it was years leading up to that. I don't know. But like, what were sort of like the stages to getting to that point? I think it's just trying to just manage everything. I do regret leaning into the being funny thing because I think, you know, when I- crutch. Yeah, well, no, I think, I think it's hard for people to take you seriously. So, like, who am I going to say, oh, yeah, like, I feel this way. I feel that way. Like, I don't think there was anyone to really, like, listen, right, or to, that I could vent or to, you know, talk to. And then especially with, like, social media, like, everything nowadays. Like, it's, one, it's hard to take people seriously. Yeah. And two, I feel like, I don't want to say uh, it's, like, a thing to use mental health as, like, a a crutch, but I just felt like no one would like believe me if I said, Hey, like I feel this way or feel that way. So yeah. I just felt like it was the right thing for me to do. So when you like woke up that day and were just like, I, something is up. I do not feel right. Did you talk to anyone? Like, did you, what, like, what's your like support system look like? I mean, at that time I didn't tell anybody, like I literally wasn't like on my phone because they take your, your phone away. Right. So, like, I had, like, minor communication. Like, at one point, like, I had to, to like, fight to get my phone because, you know, like, I have a dog. So, he was at the dog sitters because, thankfully, I was able to, like, you know, yeah. arrange it yeah. last minute. But, you know, like, I had to, like, check in. But, like, they allowed me, like, to look at my phone for, like, a few minutes. But afterwards, like, I told people close to me that I could mm-hmm. trust. And, obviously, yeah. it worked because it didn't 
get out. Nobody knew anything about it. Yeah. Oh gosh. Okay. So you're in there and like, are you talking to, obviously you're talking to therapists and whatnot when you're in there. What were some of the things that were kind of delved into when you were having those conversations there about what was going on? Was there any kind of um, diagnosis given to you? I mean, to be honest with you, like, like you didn't do much. Like there was like music therapy, which, you know, as awful as the experience was like, it was somewhat entertaining because it wasn't really musical therapy. I'll never forget my last day. Cause I just wanted to just go home at this point. And like, you know, they're passing out sheets with like topical music that, you know, you had to like go through and like analyze. And it was just this thing where it was like, Oh, like you shouldn't listen to this music. It's negative. You know, it calls negative mm-hmm. thoughts, like the most generic thing. I'll never forget. They said, Hey, like we're going to go around the room and everyone pick a song that like resonates and there's this one kid at the end of the table. And so like, he was just coloring. And so it went around and I don't know what song I named. And uh, I'm not going to say his name, but like, they were like, you know, such and such, like, you know, your last, like, what's your song? And, like, he doesn't look up and he just goes, Pussy is Mine by Miguel. And that's when I went, yeah, it's time for me to go. Like, I, <laughs> so, so that's what that experience was yeah. like. And they went, you can't say that. And then that was it, you know, class ended. So it wasn't too beneficial for me aside from me going oh like I never want to go through this again that was it what were like kind of some of the other factors was it like the the work situation the pressures from that just like outside influences to just like I guess yeah like what really I think for me there is a lot of pressure I think there's always a lot of of pressure because I feel like as a black talent I get judged more harshly than other people like I feel like everything I do is analyzed overanalyzed right I don't obviously everyone gets like a critique but I feel like mine is at like a different level and I'm also incredibly hard on myself so like it was one of those things where uh I'm hard on myself I like I I had to realize that like it's wrestling it's just wrestling Mm -hmm. like I can't this isn't a live or die situation so for me it was just dealing with that and it was also like you know again I regret leaning into the funny thing because, you know, like I'm very, like very introverted, like very closed off. And I went, you know what? Like I have this, this small circle of people that I trust. I should probably utilize that. Yeah. Um, Okay. With all of the things that you have like been through and have experienced, what are like the takeaways and things that you do to set yourself up to have a clear state of mind and take care of yourself? Of course. I mean, people may think it's crazy, but I pray every day. Even if you are, I would say, an atheist, right? I think at the end of the day, it's something that that helps, right? Like whether there is a God, Allah, you know, whatever, like I think just being able to focus and, and you know, having a, again, peace of mind that has helped me, I'd rather be safe than sorry, you know, sure. I, I do not want to go to hell if, yeah. if there is one, um, yeah. but you know, that, that has been pretty important to me. Also just, is that something that you feel like you had connected with more after going through this experience or this is all hundred percent. Okay. I think I've had like really weird moments. Like I, when I was in Philadelphia, actually training thesis. Wow. Yeah, that's a hard yeah. word to say when you're not ready for it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was on this weird, like grassroots job to where like, uh, I think it was like the ACLU. Like we would just be outside and asking people to like, donate whatever and it was so funny because the roots i think we're having a concert outside oh, cool. it was like downtown philadelphia yeah. 
I'm like, I'm just harassing people. Hey, look, would you like to donate, you know, uh, like a nerd? And this family <laughs> walks past me. And at the time I was, this was like the first time me really reading the autobiography of Malcolm X. So I'm like deep into it. Yeah. Islamic family is like walking past and they're like, hey, and I'm like, hi. And they just give me this flyer. And the flyer was about Islam. And they were like, oh, we think you need this. And then they disappear. Like, like I'm not so even you making were, it up. You were not like raised Islamic. No, no. Okay. Not at all. So this was like new to me. And so yeah. they gave me that flyer and I'm like, oh, that's cool. Did you and have no religion joke. in your life before that? Sorry, this is, I'm not. Not I'm really. Like, Wait, tell me about this. No, okay. no, not really. But like, I, but funny story. I'm like packing, unpacking, and like I find that flyer in just mint condition, not a wrinkle, not like wow. a fold. And I'm like, oh, well, this is clearly a sign. And so that kind of started the gears turning. But I would say this whole experience is what actually brought me into it. Where did you start? It was well, reading. Like- it's also just like my heroes or, or my influences, you know, um, it's obviously I'm, I'm not in the nation of Islam. You know, I think that's a completely different thing, but mm-hmm. I do think there are some um, ideologies, you know, in that, that I agree with. Yeah. Um, and that just, you know, it started everything. Wow. Yeah. Very interesting. So what about like the rest of your family? So like, this is their first time hearing this, this oh, part. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So, wow. Yeah. Cool. That I mean, that's really cool to like be so personal with it and like, you're just on like your own voyage and your own journey with this. Yeah. I just feel like, you know, it was like, what do you really say? Right. Yeah. Like, I feel like it's, I mean, I guess I could have brought it up during what do you Thanksgiving think, like, dinner. The, what do you, you know? think like the reaction to that would be like, I can't imagine, like I was not raised with a ton of religion myself either. So yeah, I couldn't really imagine if I was saying to my mom, like, Hey, I've invented yeah. this religion now. Yeah. What do you think that conversation would be like? I don't really care. I think as long as I'm happy. Yeah. So that's probably why it hasn't been this full conversation because mm-hmm. it's, I don't need to worry about acceptance because sure. I know that, you know, it'd be different if I said, Hey, I'm a part of like, uh, or the cult of like house of black, like, probably like, <laughs> Oh, like what's that? But like, yeah, yeah. you know, like it's, you know, it's fine. So on the other side of having been there and gone through those few days yeah. of being there, once you got out, like, how were you feeling and what were sort of like the the things you had to set in motion to just like take care of yourself mentally? I was miserable. Like I just yeah. had to like go back to work, yeah. you know, the next day, you know, it was like a pre-tape that we were there for. So it was like, okay, back into reality. And yeah. so I had to just jump back into it. Yeah. Try to just get my shit together. Yeah. And that's what, you know, I tried to do. Gosh, it's. I feel like that's yeah. like the scary thing. That, I don't know if everyone goes through that, but I think there's like – oftentimes like a a moment where you're like, I need to take care of myself. I'm not feeling well. I mean, I think we're all so much more aware of our our mental well-being and the things we need to do to take care of ourselves, but to like actually find yourself in that situation of like, oh shit, I need to go and do this. And like, I need some help. Was that a hard thing for you to kind of like realize Uh, in terms of, I guess like of accepting that that's where you were at? Kind of, sort of. I mean, I I will say that one big thing is, you know, I think I felt it creeping in, but yeah. I don't think I did anything because my biggest worry was, oh, like, I don't want to take this. I don't want to do that because I may lose my, like, my creative sure, side. And that's sure. what happened. You were prescribed something yeah, and then did it like, make you feel that way? Yeah, for, like, anxiety and, like, I just stopped taking it, oh, like, shit. three weeks ago just because oh, okay. it got to the point to where I just couldn't 
I couldn't focus. Like I would go out and do a promo and like, honest to God, I could not tell you like what I said afterwards. It made it to where I was too comfortable or like lackadaisical and it did affect my, Yes, like that like beta blocker kind of thing where you're just like, yeah. 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 So like, you know, I'm sure some people will say, oh, like that's a bad thing. And like, I'm not trying to send the message to not take, you know, whatever or not get help. It's just for me. Like I know what works and like, it's like, okay, we have full gear. I need to get through that. And then it's figure out what works best for me. Taking yourself off of the medication, how how did that feel like right away? Because I, I know people do say that where yeah. it's like, whoa, what? Yeah. You're doing what? Like, you shouldn't do that. Like, how have you felt the days of uh, not being So on it? a part of the reason that I was prescribed what I was prescribed is because, you know, I have like really bad insomnia. So like mm-hmm. it was supposed to help. So like last week I didn't sleep really from like Monday until like Thursday. So Thursday I took Unisom. It's like this like over-the-counter sleeping pill and like I had like a night's worth of, of sleep you know yeah. so it's like a, a give and a take right like I I feel like myself but I'm like up until 5 a.m watching you know the Wayans brothers on YouTube you know like that's the trade-off <laughs> yeah so. yeah gosh that's yeah I mean what a lot to kind of go through and like thank god you did have the close friends that you could yeah. talk to about that stuff and like what about like your family did your family know about everything that kind of went yeah down? yeah but like I I keep them out of like you know, all this stuff. Cause like, I mean, I'll just be honest, like people are shitty. Like people are very shitty. So I would prefer to keep my friends and family and, you know, anyone else like away from, you know, I'm trying to think the public lashings or whatever, you know, or the public, you know, uh, critiques, you know, that may um, occur. And also like, you know, I hate to say it, but like, it's my problem. And uh, this may sound cold or callous to say, but like in this, again, this era, this time, I feel like people just don't don't care really so it's like I can say oh hey like I feel this way but like I don't think anybody really cares you know and I'm I'm doing this one for my current co-workers so they could understand me better and two like I feel like mental health isn't really talked about in the black community and I know there are plenty of black males who feel the way I do or like felt the way I do so this is a hey like it's not the end of the world like if I can power through you know Wednesdays and Fridays you know then you know you can do it too it really is like that stigma that comes with like I think anyone's going through any kind of mental health stuff it's like I'm very isolating you feel like you're the only person going through something like that where do you turn what's the answer for that but you're right I think being able to have these conversations and I do think we're getting better about having these conversations, but you're right. There's still yeah. people that are like, you're fine. Shut yeah, up. Shut yeah, it up. Yeah. Like, and like, that's absurd. It's crazy. But to just be like aware of what you need and how to like take care of yourself and like do mm-hmm. those things. Like, yeah, hats off to you for like really taking care of yourself and doing Thank what you. you needed to do. How do you feel now? Uh, I mean, I feel better. I think, I think my brain and my body is still adjusting to mm-hmm. like, you know, not being filled with this, you know, medication or whatever. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, just with coffee and, you know, Gatorade, you know, that's how I power through, you know. <laughs> some electrolytes yeah. and some caffeine, yeah. baby. We're yeah. just making it through. Soccer fans, tournament action is heating up and now's the perfect time to give FanDuel a shot because new customers get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 back in free bets if your first bet doesn't win. 
Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It is safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to goals scored to corners. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets at a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. And FanDuel is also now live in Maryland. Marylanders make sure to get in on the action also with great offers boosts just for you. So don't miss your chance at a no sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel with the promo code Renee, R-E-N-E-E. Make every moment more with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Disclaimer, 21 plus in select states. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable free bets that expire 14 days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG for Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, and Virginia. 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 for Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat for Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT for Indiana. 1-877-770-STOP for Louisiana. 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467369 for New York. The TN Red Line, 1-800-889-9789 for Tennessee. 1-800-522-4700 for Wyoming or visit www.1800gambler.net for West Virginia. So you mentioned before about uh, your relationship with, with your coworkers and you wanted them to kind of be aware of what you went through and like, so what is that relationship? Because you can be pretty reserved. Yeah. And I yeah. think that that is something like I didn't really know you yeah. prior to, to us meeting backstage at AEW before I even started there. But there, you're right. There is this like preconceived notion of like, oh, yeah. this funny yeah. guy. He's yeah. got this yeah. personality and this entertainment. Yeah. And then you meet you and, and you're, you are. You're definitely like you internalize. I can see that. So yeah. does that catch people off guard a lot? I think so. Like I joke and I go, everyone thinks I'm an asshole. I think. I think some people think I'm an asshole, but you know, <laughs> while Sting is in the rafters, I'm on the other side reading, you know, Raisin in the Sun, you know, right, right, most people right. think I'm like, you know, Kiki and Aha and then, you know, making jokes when in reality, I'm trying to just like figure out like what I'm doing, you know, that evening and just trying to get it into my head and just, you know, talking to like, you know, the rest of the group and production and everything else. Like yeah. that's just my focus. But yeah, again, I think leaning into the comedy thing. Mm-hmm in the earlier stages is just, you know, I think it's set like a bad, uh, I don't know. It's just, well, it's just like that preconceived notion of like trying to like, yeah, when people have an expectation of what they're going to yeah. get and then it's not that and people take it personally yeah. for some reason. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, it can be definitely hard to kind of battle that. I find like often like I can be such a like social butterfly. I talk to everybody. I'm kind of hanging out, but by the end of the day, I'm like, Oh my God, I'm exhausted. I just put out so much energy, like engaging all day. And somebody like you, like I always kind of look at John for this too, because John really shuts down sometimes. Mm -hmm. He's very like, he gets in his work and he's thinking about that. But people are like, does he not want to talk to me? What's going on? It's like, no, he's like saving his energy for something else. He doesn't want to talk to anybody. (laughs) That's just how it is. It's like, it's not a personal thing. He's just in doing his own thing. But yeah, it's one of those things that like people... People somehow take that very personally. Yeah, I think a lot of people take it it personally. The one thing that I have realized, like the past, I would say, couple months, like year, whatever, like I've I've gotten increasingly more isolated, and I think a lot of people have taken that the wrong way. Mm-hmm. And it's not a personal thing. It's yeah. just like 
I need to keep my own peace. Same yeah. thing with like text messaging or like DMs. Like I'm sure some people go, oh, well, like I've, I've like messaged this dude yeah. and like he hasn't yeah. responded. Yeah. And I think at this point, the most important thing is like my peace. And, you know, mm-hmm. I know that may sound cliche, but like it's No, true. it doesn't. It doesn't. Um, and I would say, you know, one of the biggest things that has helped me is Islam, you know, and, and that is about peace, you know, um, internal peace and, you know, making sure that you give that same energy out to other people. So, yeah. I feel like we are also like that generation that makes ourselves available all the time, whether it's through text message, whether it's through DMs, it's all those things. It's like, I don't think people really take a second to realize what that drain is to just constantly, your phone's going off and, these conversations you can be yeah. having, like there's times that like, yeah, I'll look and it's like friends of mine that I am messaging with. And I'm like, oh my God, yeah. I just like, I don't even want to look at my phone anymore. Like that alone is a drain when like, yeah. I've got my husband there, I've got my baby there. I've got all these other things that I would honestly rather be focusing on. But yeah, it's like trying to like maintain all those relationships and do all those yeah. things. It's just like, oh my God, <laughs> it's brutal. It can be. I, I keep my phone on, do not disturb. And it drives, I would say everyone, crazy because they think I'm not available. And my thing is, you know, I will see it, but I will see it. Yes. Yes. I will see it when I see it. Um, you know, I have that. And then just in general, like, just to be completely honest, I feel like unless you personally chip into my phone bill, I don't owe you an immediate (laughs) response. So it's, Oh, you didn't respond when I sent this text. It's like, yeah, like, yeah, I'm sorry. I was busy. Yeah. And at this point I may be bold enough, like just to turn on read receipts, just to let people know. Oh yeah. I saw, I saw it. it. Yeah. And yeah. I will respond when I feel like it. <laughs> no, it's, yeah. it's actually very true. So for your coworkers that would be listening to this or watching this, what's something that like you want them to know or to take away from your story and like the things that you've been through to just kind of like give them that perspective. I mean, just everything that I've, I've said, cause again, I think there was this expectation that I was going to come in and do cartwheels and like do flips and like, you know, be like this court gesture. And it's just like, no, like, you know, I just want to come in, do yeah. my job and leave. And I yeah. feel like, um, everywhere I've worked, like just outside of, of wrestling, I know that they can be taken the wrong way, especially again, if you are, I think a black male, it can be easily turned into, oh, this dude has an attitude. Mm-hmm. This person, you know, doesn't want to be bothered or, or they think that they're better than someone else when the harsh reality is no, like I'm just trying to like the nice way to say it is, you know, stay out of shit. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. like I have my own issues and problems or, or, you know, segments to like deal with. Like I yeah. can't any, any of the other stuff, like I don't want to yeah. know about it unless it pertains to me. Um, you've always been very good at what you do as a manager. Thank I think you. people have always held you in like very high regard with what you do. Has there ever been moments that you felt like you weren't connecting or that you were having any kind of like confidence issues with what you were doing? Like what were some of those like lulls and like moments of growth? Like, I mean, I think it's, it's one now, you know, to be oh, honest really? with you. Yeah. Really? I, everything that was supposed to happen, like with the firm did not happen. Yeah. And I think if people look back at all out, and, you know, what happened immediately after the pay-per-view, yeah. that's a huge part of it, you know, right. who we were supposed to directly feud with, right. you know, it's no longer in the company. And that was, you know, one thing that I was looking forward to because yeah. I was hand chosen for that role. Yeah. So, you know, I, I'm just going to say it. I don't know the specifics, like people are choosing sides, whatever. I just know for me, the fact that 
CM Punk said, hey, I want to work with this guy, yeah. like that like that holds a lot of weight. It means a lot, you know, regardless yeah. of what has happened, what will happen. So when that didn't happen anymore, it was yeah. literally rewriting everything on the fly. Yeah. So, you know, everyone is in the group is trying to do their best, yeah. but we are trying to figure out how to make this work because the original purpose isn't the purpose anymore. Right. So it's like, what, what do you doing? do? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And like with Ethan Page right now, I think he's doing great. I think the guns are doing great. Lee, you know, he's going to go into this, this feud with hook. And so like things are slowly, you know, uh, no pun intended gearing up. It's just, <laughs> it's, it's just going to take a few weeks. Yeah. And I think the way wrestling is nowadays is, I get it. First impressions are everything, but it seems like it's a little bit difficult to like change people's minds or to get people into like, you know, obviously I get it. People, most people do not want to see Picasso work on this painting. They just want to see the shit done. Right. right? Right. Like, so I think that's the phase that we're in. We are working on it, but people don't want to see anyone working on it. They want to see the finished finished product, product. which I completely understand. But at the same time, it's like, we're all human. Like, I wish I was a part of Harry Potter. You know, I wish I had like a wand that I could, you know, move yeah. around and, you know, change time and, and do whatever. And if I could, yeah. the world would be much different. But, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, I don't have those powers. You yeah. know, it's just, you know, yeah. like we're all just trying to make it work. Yeah, I mean, that is, I mean, sometimes that's just the way things go in wrestling. Plans change or things change, whether it's somebody out with an injury or, yeah. you know, whatever it may be. COVID, like, Totally. Yeah. It's like, oh my God, you think of the last couple of years of like the stops and the starts and what are we doing? Are we coming? Are we going? What's happening? And then to like personally be going through stuff, it's like, it's, it just feels like it's road bump, road bump, road bump to yeah. like try to like figure things out. Yeah. Um, what do you see the next like year looking like? I have for, no for you? clue. What would you like it to look like? Like if you had that Harry Potter one, I'll be honest with you. The one thing I've learned in the past, like I would say five years of my life is the fact that I can't predict anything. Like every time I've been like, you know what, this is going to happen. Or like my year, my six months will look like that. It, it never ever happens. So like, I have no clue. I honestly have no idea. All I can do is say, you know, I will put my best foot forward and try to just make it all work. Um, okay, so when you actually debuted with AEW, what all kind of went into that? What was that first moment like for you? I mean, I feel like that was like, as a fan, was like, oh, shit, this is great. That, I mean, you working with Jade was yeah, like just exceptional. That, that was booked. Well, no. So I guess I was told what I was doing maybe like 15, 20 minutes before it actually was like <laughs> happening. Uh, good So stuff. I was like, yeah, because it was just, you know, could this happen, you know, the, the, the time frame, you know, the date, it was like, you know, we were still in the wiggle room of, is this actually possible? Yeah. So once, you know, we found out it was, you know, we talked about everything. It was like, okay, like this, this is going to happen. So like I had to like open up the curtain and peek and like, you know, make sure. <laughs> Where am I going? Know, Where's yeah, the hard yeah, cam? Yeah. What's happening? Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, oh, like this tunnel, like. Is there like carpet? Are there stairs? <laughs> yeah. Like, will I trip? So, Things that like yeah. when you're thinking about, because even like, I mean, mine was much different than yeah. yours. Obviously, even just walking on the ramp, you're like, where am I going? Where exactly. This? I've never even walked through that tunnel before. Where does it lead? Like, exactly. I had no idea. Yeah, It was fun. It was, it was uh, quite the experience to debut in Vegas on a yeah. pay-per-view. Yeah. You know, you couldn't ask for more. Uh, and what about uh, the time when you were working with Jade? It was fun. We... And the baddies, y'all. And the one thing that I, I mean, among many things I take pride in is the fact that it was an all black 
yeah. group yeah. faction. Sure. And I think that holds a lot of power because yeah. the dynamic was interesting. Jade had the power and she is a black woman. And then she had, you know, two other black women and Athena, with her. Athena's who came out that night. Exactly. Well, right? In the so program like, as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you have me like, you know, like this little guy, you know, on mm-hmm. the side, you know, touting, you know, all of them as queens. Like it, <laughs> it was fun. And I think it's something that, you know, looking back at I hope that people saw that and and that will open up more possibilities for yeah. other people down the line but uh for me it was just a cool thing to do um so then actually being able I know we kind of like touched on it before of like reconnecting with uh with MJF working with the firm I mean there's so much going on there who within that group do you see as someone that you'd be comfortable like completely hitching your wagon to that's the guy yeah. guy or girl that you want to manage first of all Fuck MJF, but um, <laughs> you know uh, what? One hundred percent. Fuck MJF. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Piece thank of you. Shit. Yeah, he is a piece of shit. Um, <laughs> like that's hard to say, just because Ethan Page, right? He beat Eddie Kingston. You know, he beat Bandito. You know, like he's slowly getting up there, and then you have, you know, Lee. Um, this feud with Hook is going to mm-hmm. be fantastic, and then the guns. I think. I think they're just the unsung heroes yeah. of like the tag team yeah. division. Like they're so knowledgeable. Like they're super, like I hate this phrase is very generic, but like they're super hungry. Right. Yeah. Like if, if people only knew, like I walk in the locker room and these guys are got on good, the floor. Like, energy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. These guys are on the floor, like watching, you know, like YouTube matches and everything else. Like they are legitimately students of the game. Yeah. And, you know, obviously, you know, look at, at who their dad is. Yeah. Um, Most over guy in the company. Yeah. Almost. Shit. Yeah. Who saw that coming for Billy Gunn? Yeah. And Morrissey, like we've gotten along very well. Mm-hmm. Like I had no idea just how, how similar we are right? with just like, you know, he's very, um, I was going to uh, say, have you guys well. taught, have you guys been able yes. to like connect on that level? Yeah, Legit. So there was one time it was like, Hours before the show, I was in one of, of like the skyboxes, just like reading, whatever. And then all of a sudden, like I hear this knock and I'm just like, what? And like, it's Morrissey and like the other skybox. He's like, hey. <laughs> so, you know, we have like a similar personality. Yeah. So, yeah, it's hard to say. But I will say that my project, if I could say, is is Lee. Yeah. Um, just because I believe he has so much to offer. A lot and of I people think, have been saying that. It's yeah. like he's definitely got that sort of like aura of specialness around him. And it's, I feel like it's just only a matter of time. I was just about to say, it's time. Yeah. It's time. And it's just baby steps, you know? What is it about him that makes him special? I didn't know until we did the show in DC a few weeks ago. I don't believe that everything happens for a reason. But that week, like, I wasn't, like, feeling, like, the best or whatever. So just on a whim, I was like, you know what? I'll get tickets to the African-American History Museum, which obviously, like, I'm wearing the um, the hoodie. And so I I invited Lee to come with me because I thought it was important. And, you know, sure enough, he said yes. And we went and, like, like, we spent hours there, hours. And the fact that I could see the, the, the dress that Rosa Parks wore the tape recorder that Malcolm X had, you know, MOK's I have a dream speech. Like I, I walked into that building just not feeling the best. And like, I left like feeling empowered because yeah. all over the building, it's black history, black power. And, you know, like we bonded like during that. Cause you know, as two black talents who, you know, we have a lot of thoughts, opinions on, yeah. you know, everything. And um, I just, he's one of those people that again, he has a lot of talent and I yeah. feel like it's just, it's a matter of time before people, 
see that. Yeah. And that's my goal. Like that's my mission yeah. for people to know that like he is really good, right? Like he is that dude, you know, yeah. like mm-hmm. it's just, it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when yes. it happens. When's that going to happen? Yeah. I mean, just from like me watching him too, I'm like, Oh, what is this guy's yeah. deal? What's yeah. going on here? I, I, yeah. I, it's fun seeing someone at that part of their career and waiting for what is that thing that's going to like really connect yeah. that like takes them into like that next level of their career. It's really, yeah. really cool to see. Um, okay. So you have mentioned reading a few times. What are some yeah. of your top books? We'll wrap up with that. So, oh God. Um, so right now I'm rereading the autobiography of Malcolm X. I don't know when this is going to air, but one cool thing that I'm doing next week is um, Spike Lee is actually hosting the Ooh. 30th anniversary of the movie. Oh, cool. Which one of the greatest movies of yeah. all time, like one of my favorites. So I'm rereading the um, autobiography. Nice. So that'll be fun. I'm also reading a book on, you know, the history of Islam. Cause I feel like it's important for me to, you know, understand the beginning to yeah. um, the current mm-hmm. and um, fences that okay. I'm rereading, but yeah. I'm only like 30 pages in. So that, not to be dumb, but the movies from that as yes. well, right? Yes. Okay. August Making Wilson. sure it's yeah. the same yeah. one. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Hell yeah. Awesome. Okay, great. Well, dude, I really appreciate you coming on here and just being so open and honest about all the things you went through. I mean, it's obviously incredibly relatable to anybody that's going through something like that and being able to seek help for yourself and kind of take time for yourself and and recognize all those things. And um, yeah, I just, I appreciate you taking the time and and giving your story to people. Thank you. And I'm sorry for jumping your husband and uh, yeah, what the fuck? Taking the title. I mean, listen, I, it was a heat of the moment thing. Like, he'll be okay, you know. <laughs> He's tough. A big thank you to Stokely for hanging out with me. Um, again, uh, thanks so much for talking to me about all that stuff that I know is not easy to open up about and all that. And I really hope that it gave fans a new perspective of him. I hope that it gave his coworkers a new perspective of him all of that stuff Um, and if anybody else is um, struggling know that there's always help there's always options Um, so thank you guys so much for hanging out with me on this episode of the sessions back to work we go bye guys this has been the sessions